We're going to enter the twilight zone, as the Mishnah in Pirkei Aves tells us, the ten things that were created, Bein Hashmoshes, twilight of the very first Friday in creation. Then after that, the Mishnah adds other things that don't really seem to fit the theme of what was created at the time of twilight. Particularly, we're going to focus on tongs. Why does the Mishnah tell us that tongs were made just before Shabbos? And there's a great lesson over here about certain things that are beyond human reach and certain things that have no real value in and of themselves, but could be used for something of value. In Aintigim Perek, Rechendei Setana Asorot Dvorim, Vos Nibru Berev Shabbos Ben Ashmoshes. So in the fifth Perek of Perek Yavos, the, uh, the Tana mentions ten things that were created Friday afternoon as it was growing dark. Ben Ashmoshes. So then he lists the ten. Then he brings a second opinion. That on that list should also be the strange supernatural place where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried that you could never find where it is. Wherever you are, it looks like it's somewhere else. And the miraculous ram that appeared just at the right time at the Akeda to be brought instead of Yitzchak. And then is Messiah. Then he says, And there's another opinion that even those forces of destructive energy that exist in our world, and also that a tongues can only be made using another set of tongues. And that's what we're going to focus on. So the Pirish von Svas Bitzvas Asuya is with Gemara Zokt in Psochim. What does it mean that tongues need tongues? So the Gemara tells us, because in order to forge the metal, which is obviously going to be really, really hot, into a tongs. You need tongs to hold the metal. So the obvious question is, who made the first set of tongs? Because the only way to make tongs is by using tongs. Therefore the Mishnah tells us, Hashem himself made the first tongs. And our Mishnah tells us, when did Hashem make it? Friday evening, as it was in between sunset and dark. So we have to understand, what is the shaykhs from Briyas Hatzvas, Zumzman from Erev Shabbos Ben Hashemoshos? So you want to say practically Hashem had to make the first tongs? Fine. Why then? Why do the first tongs have to be Dafka Friday afternoon when it's almost Shabbos? When you look at the earlier things on the list in that Mishnah of what was created, Erev Shabbos Ben Hashemoshos, so the commentaries tell us, you know why these things had to be created at that unusual time? Because we bowed. Because these are things that don't belong into the ordinary class of ordinary creations, which were which were all made during the normal six days of creation. They're all miraculous. How the earth is going to open to swallow Kairach, or the script of the Luchos, or the, the Mate, the staff that Moshe used for the, for the plagues. They're all unusual. Therefore, the Mephoshim say they were created very close to Shabbos because for Shabbos is this man from Priyas Devorim Tivim, because Shabbos is when the process of natural creation ceases. Seeing as these are things that are supernatural, they don't belong to the natural creation process, so they're made right close to Shabbos. And that makes sense. But the fact that you need tongues in order to make tongues is actually quite a natural thing. That's how you make tongues. 
And the fact that Hashem made the tongues, that's not surprising. Hashem made everything. All the creatures, all the plants. Look, the nature of every living thing is, how do you get a plant? Because there had to have been another plant that produced seeds that grew this plant. How do you get an animal? Because there had to have been other animals that gave birth to these animals. Everything is, it had to come from somewhere. So you go back far enough and you get to the point where Hashem made it. So there's no surprise over here that he made a tongues. He also made humans. He also made animals. He also made plants. So why out of all the things that Hashem created from scratch is Dafka the tongues on the list of these unusual things that Hashem made Dafka at the last minute before Shabbos? The question is deeper than that. The Gemara is in Sanhedrin. The Gemara Sanhedrin tells us, as the time of Adam Rishon is Bashafin Givorim Biyam Ashishi. We've heard this many times before that Adam Rishon was Dafka created on a Friday. Nochala Nivroim later than everything else that was created is for what reason? Kedeshim Sarkom Muchon that he should arrive in a world where everything is ready for him. Sheikonis the Suuda Miyad that he can get straight to the Suuda and later we'll describe what the Suuda is. But the world had to be ready for Adam Rishon. Now, according to our Mishnah, that the first set of tongues was created after Adam Harishon, right? Noch Brias Adam Harishon was created at the time of, of twilight. Kum Tois, Turns out that not everything was ready for Adam Harishon. A key tool that he might need, an implement, wasn't available. The tongues were not yet available. So why? Why do it then? It doesn't seem to make any sense. Now, now, there's no question why the script of the Luchois or the, 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 the donkey that was going to speak for Bilam, why those things were not created before the Mauritian is not even a question. Because they are those are all allocated to events that will happen later in the future. So, none of them had a relevance to the life of Adam Mauritian himself. So, if they're created later, after he's created, big deal. But tongues, surely tongues, there's no reason why tongues should be excluded from the everything that has to be ready for Adam which pretty much includes everything that was created in the six days of creation. So why? Why is it set aside? Another question. We have to understand. Why does the Mishnah say it in such an unusual way? Instead of saying, like with everything else on the list, and this was created, what does the Mishnah say? It's telling us a fact that tongues need tongues in order to be made. The, the language actually is not describing how the first tongues were made. It's actually just telling us a fact about how tongues are made. In fact, the fa- when it tells us that tongues are made from tongues, what are we actually talking about? The next set of tongues. We're saying when the next set of tongues arrived, they had to be made from tongues. And the question is, who made the first tongues? So you're not even talking about what was created at Ben Ashmoshes on Friday. You're talking about what it would be used to produce later on, which is very strange. 
So now, from then during the Menorahs, as God Eshtet Tzvah, it's just that you now got to calculate and work out, oh, huh, now that you think about it, the first tongues had to have been made by Hashem Himself. And from then, was Eshtelt them in and in their Mishnah, and because where in the whole of Shas is this conversation had in the Mishnah of the ten things that were created on Friday, Ben Ashmoshes, statement we can extrapolate as they meet, will the Mishnah Zogan as Tzvah is Beshafun Givorin Be'er Shabbos Ben Ashmoshes. We would work out that the tongues were created on Erev Shabbos at twilight. Now, Lecha'era avot megidav zogen, surely the Mishnah should have said, made chlorokite in a very clear way over Kitzor and briefly, because remember the Rambam tells us that the language of Mishnah is always intended to be as brief and succinct as possible, should have just said, ve'afatzvas, and also the tongues, like it said, afamazikin, also the negative destructive forces. Actually, that's the way the Gemara Psachim says it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Afatzvas. Rabbi Yehuda says, also the tongues. So why does the Mishnah present it in such a roundabout way? Question two, base. Now, this is very important because nothing is accidental in a Mishnah. So the fact that the one opinion says two things, Mazikin Unzvas, destructive forces and tongues, that must imply that they must share something in common. That's because they share something in common. That's why both of them, according to this one opinion, they were both created at that time because they must share a certain theme. Now, the truth is, and we'll come back to this again later, that they say, and also tongues, need rather than saying and tongues like the preceding opinion that said also the caver of Moshe and the ram of Avram Avinu but here it doesn't say that it says and af that already does separate the two as if they're in two different categories but you cannot escape the fact as they have not said that there has to be a common theme, and it's that common theme that prompts whoever this Yesh Omerim opinion is to say both of them in one breath. Because there's obviously one motivation for why both of them would have been created on Erev Shabbos. So we have to understand, how could there possibly be a common theme between destructive demonic energies and tongues? which are actually quite useful. And lastly, what lesson could this teach us in how we serve the Ebrister? More specifically, what would it teach us about serving Hashem beyond the requirement of the law, which as the Gemara Bovokama tells us, is what Masech Tavis is all about? That we could learn from the fact that the first tongues had to be made by Hashem, and they were made at this particular time. So, the under Oizgerech Nedvorim, all the other things on the list, all played a unique role in Jewish history. The ten Makos through the staff. The Luchos were obviously the presentation, presentation of the Torah. The Bilam's donkey. Korach's earth opening up, etc. They all played a role, a role specifically to Jewish life and nobody else. In fact, some of the commentators on the Mishnah say, as these that they are things that were designed and created originally, originally for our unique benefit. 
Tongues have no specific relationship to Jews. Anybody uses tongues. And there's nothing about tongues that relates specifically to how we serve Hashem. So the tongues story seems a very strange story. To understand why we have the strange story, so we need to look at the more spiritual perspective on what this saying is from Chazal. What, what did the Gemara tell us in Sanhedrin? Adam Rishon was created on the sixth day of creation after everything else. Why? So that everything else should be ready. That he should be able to immediately go into the Su'uda. What Su'uda? Which Su'uda are we talking about? As dos main, so the explanation is as there's all have an alt muchon so can anton gleich sein avoido. The so called suuda we're talking about over here is the avoida that Adam Harishan by extension all people had to do to serve Hashem. Everything has to be ready to support his avoida. That's what the Gemara is telling us. But says a klal because we have a principle. Kol the principle is everything that was created through the six days of creation was created with a certain imperfection and would require input and would require some level of upgrade. As it says in the Apostolic, everything that Hashem created, to do, what is the to do mean? To fix, to upgrade. And humans, particularly Jewish people, our job is to fill in the gaps. To elevate everything to its full potential. On dos mean the seuda from Adam Arishan. That's the so-called feast that Adam Arishan now has to be prepared to partake in. In other words, the zachavoser davhovim fazayna voida. The so-called feast that has everything ready means he's got all of the wherewithal, all of the resources that he needs in order to do his avoida. Everything that was created in the six days of creation, waiting for him to come and give it meaning and give it direction, it's all ready. Now he comes along and he gives it that meaning and direction. Now we can understand why all the things on the list of what was created after Adam Rishon appeared on the scene, when it is already twilight of Erev Shabbos, those things are not from Su'udas Adam Rishon. Not one of those things is part of Adam Rishon's scope of work, which is represented by the Su'udah. Because every one of us is a reflection of and plays the role to an extent of Adam Rishon. As the Pasuk says, and the Gemara learns from it, Atem Kuruyan Adam, that we specifically are called by the collective noun Adam as opposed to other nations that might be called Ish or Gever, etc., or Enoish. Is move on. The message is that all the things on those lists, on that list, that were created by Nashmoshois, they're not in the scope of our avoider, even though we came, came into the picture later. Why not? Because the ten miraculous items on the list are not designated for us to use in our Avoidas Hashem. Not one of those things needs our help. They're perfect systems on their own. They're all things that Hashem created complete. They are good as is. They don't need us. 
For which reasons? That's why those things were created at the twilight of Erev Shabbos, as close to Shabbos as you could possibly get. Because that's the time where you rest, because you don't have to work. Why were these things created at that time? To indicate they don't need our avoider, they don't need our input, they don't need our work, they're going to happen regardless of us. Now, of course, on Shabbos we also have a means of serving Hashem. The way that we serve Hashem on Shabbos is not like we do the rest of the week where we engage the world and refine the world and extract value out of the world. Shabbos is a time where we're completely removed from anything mundane. So what is our avoid on Shabbos? Nor the avoid is in Kedusha Gufa. It's a time where we focus within the space of holiness and absorb as much out of the space of holiness as we possibly can. We daven, we learn, we engage with our families in a meaningful way. So we could ascend higher and higher in our own spiritual process. And that's why that's a time of the of the week where our avodas Hashem is very pleasurable. It's not exertion. It's not schlepping. So that's what the ten things created by Nashmoshes on, on Erev Shabbos are. Oh, they're already in that realm. They don't need our work. That's on the positive side. So in the same way as these ten items on the list, Plus, the overall concept of working on, of what we do to serve Hashem on Shabbos, are not part of the normal day-to-day avoider represented by the so-called su'uda of Adam Harishan. And the reason they're not part of the process is because they're beyond the process, they're greater than the process, they're higher than the process. And as we've mentioned, they don't need our help. So that's on the one extreme. Equally on the other extreme. There are other things that are not accessible for us to be able to fix. They're not ready. They're not ripe for in improvement. Because they're at a much lower state than everything that was created during the six days of creation. So therefore, in the normal course of serving Hashem, we're not empowered to shift that part of the world. It's too stuck. How can we fix them? So normally, the way that we engage with the world is v'chaybehem. You've got to balance, you know, you know, this is what the world expects, this is what my life needs, this is what my Yiddishkeit expects, but I have to keep myself alive, that's primary. If a person wants to touch that part of the world and elevate that part of the world that is not fundamentally holy, that is not part of, uh, is not susceptible to holiness, that's going to need, not from mysterious nefesh, that's going to need the avoid of mysterious nefesh, from b'chom mo'idecho, where a person pushes themselves completely beyond themselves, hechef and sainativis is beyond their natural parameters of being. And that's why these things, for a completely different reason, are not on the table. They're not part of our natural avoida. Because the way that Hashem mapped out the, how we should serve Hashem is 
in a normal way that doesn't threaten or undermine our lives. Where things follow a normal, logical progression. The word Adam actually implies this. Adam represents Aleph, then Dalet, then Mem. Things progress in a natural, logical process. Roish, Gufferegel. You, 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 you prioritize the head and then you focus on the torso and then you deal with the legs. Machshava, Dibra, First you process things in your mind. Then you make sure to speak appropriately. Then you behave appropriately. Avoyna, Masudora. A very organized and rational approach to serving Hashem. But when it comes to the Avoidas Hashem, which is with all your so-called might, as we loosely translate it, then you're taking the same word, Adam. It's Adam. We switch around the letters of Adam, and you get from the same letters, you get Ma'oid, which means pushing ourselves beyond ourselves. So what do we have? We've got a list of things that don't belong to normal day-to-day life. Most of those things, because they don't need us, they're above our range, we, we can't affect them. Hashem presented them into this world in perfection. And then there are a couple of things that, in order for us to have any impact on them, is going to take a massive personal investment that takes us totally, not only out of our comfort zone, but out of our normal day-to-day Jewish reality. Those are the two things that this particular opinion in the Mishnah refers to, the Mazikin and the Tonks. Now, Mazikin is easy to see why that's stuck. Mazikin sa'nikin zachin in velches is do, tikkun avoidus There is nothing in our avoidus Hashem that is going to enter the world of Mazikin, of destructive forces, and fix them. Avoidus say to metzakin zayin, right? There's no avoidus to fix them. Zaymetzis otzich geshafen mitzadem chet ha'odam. How did Mazikin exist in the first place? Because Adam Arishin ate from the chet ha'odam. So the only approach, the only way that we should engage with Mazikin is block them out. Completely negate their existence. Even though the ultimate, ultimate state would be to take even the darkest, most inappropriate, most toxic forces and transform them to become good and positive and holy. As the expression goes about what's going to happen in the time of Mashiach. You completely neutralize their capacity to cause damage. They, they, they lose that possibility to be able to, to do damage. So, but that's not because we change them, it's because we manage them, neutralize them. It's not like we go through some kind of a process that extracts out of the Masikin, oh, there's a spark of goodness in them too. They're un- Shifting reality is they are destructive. Now, but if we do our avoider properly, we're able to create something new in their experience. They become neutralized mazikim compared to mazikim that used to exist before. You can't fix the mazik, you can only shatter it like a vessel made out of cheres and reconstitute it again. Which explains why those destructive forces would have been introduced into the world, specifically as you get really close to Shabbos. 
When the Abishta designed Mazikin, what was the thought process? What was the goal? What was the objective of Mazikin? The goal was that eventually they'd be flipped, that eventually they'd be cured, that eventually they'd become something healthy. So where do they emerge from? That time that is getting close to Shabbos. Because this great shift that's going to happen to the Mazikin, that they'll lose their teeth, is not something that is feasible within the ordinary course of life. The only thing that is powerful enough to to change, to alter, to neutralize mazikin is something which is beyond the natural course of the world represented by Shabbos. And that's why the avoider that is going to turn around mazikin is not part of what's on the table of the so-called feast of Adam Harishan, which is the day-to-day way that we serve Hashem. Because the only way to have a positive impact on Mazikin is to escape the ordinary, the normal human with his limitations. And that will help us to understand the tongues, which are not identical, because nobody's going to say the tongues are negative. And that's why it says, af, and also, in other words, less so, the tzvas, the tongues. So now this opinion continues to say, and also the tongues were created Erev Shabbos Ben Hashemoshes. Why? Because there is something about the nature of tongues which is in some way similar to the nature of Mazikin. And because of that, it also belongs in this moment of creation, twilight of Erev Shabbos. That's what links the tzvas in a certain fashion to mazikin and explains why it's created at that time. Now, by tzvas is not by mazikin, but there's no question that the tongues and the mazikin are not the same. That's why he puts in also to say it's not the same. It's not at that level. It's not as toxic as mazikin. There's something similar. What's something similar? So the wording of the Mishnah will explain what is similar. And the Hasborin dem is Valtzvas Bitzvasasuya. The wording of the mission is that you need to know that tongues are produced using tongues. That's the clue. Why is that the clue? By saying those words, the Tana is able to illustrate to us. As the Matoras Habriya from the Erstatzvas is, why did Hashem create the first? Tongues ever is given The only reason the first tongues was ever created was to be able to fashion another tongues. Because you know, theoretically they could have they, they could have just made a mold and poured hot metal into the mold and had tongues. So why did Abisha Dafka get on board and make the tongues? Because Abisha wanted to create something that it has its sole purpose is not for itself, but what it will do for something else. Anything else that was created in the six days. Even those things that produce other things, animals, people, plants, or they're used to produce other things. So you use 
grain in order to produce food, etc. Everything else. In addition to the fact that they facilitate something else, or they propagate something else, or they produce something else, they also have a personal intrinsic value. There's a value to an animal even if it never has children. There's a value to a stalk of wheat even if we don't eat it. But how was the first tongues created in a specific way? As in, it is created in a way that it has no inherent value or purpose. The only reason these tongues were made was to facilitate future tongues. There's no value in the tongues now. As other Mauritians, you can and of course, specifically that other Mauritian would be the one to be able to fashion other tongues using these. Now, Yadinin was is doing welt is the fear in Torah. Whatever plays out in the physical reality is just a reflection of how things are in Torah. So, therefore, the infant svas bitzvas asuya in Torah, there must be the concept of something that exists for the benefit or value of something else, like these tongues that have no personal value, they're just there for something else, must also exist in Torah. And that is the category we call is dinu von hechsher mitzvah. The way in which we prepare to be able to do a mitzvah. In order to do a mitzvah, you need certain implements. You need certain prerequisites. So de pehulas a hechsher is nike mitzvah. Whatever you use to prepare for the mitzvah is not in and of itself a mitzvah. Now, bloisayim tzoy doch velchen mekumt zu zu mekayim zayin a mitzvah mitananda zach. The preparation for the mitzvah is just a medium by which you get to eventually be able to do the mitzvah. Here's an example. Viti Dugma, famous example. Big machloikas in the Gemara Shabbos. Kursin eitzim lasses pechomin lasses barzel le'izmol emila. Right, the famous Rebbe Lozli emila, that you could cut wood on Shabbos to burn, to produce coals, to be able to heat metal, to be able to fashion a knife to do a bris on Shabbos. Basmiti eitzim vetnit gitonke mitzvah. The, nobody will argue that the wood is not a mitzvah. Chopping the wood is not a mitzvah. Burning the wood is not a mitzvah. All the wood is, is a prep for a prep, for a prep to be able to do the mitzvah. The wood is to prepare coal. The coal is to prepare heat. The heat is to prepare metal. The metal is to prepare knife. Nobody would suggest that the wood is part of the mitzvah. So when you look at that example of the wood, in this case, or various other examples like it, where it is purely just to facilitate the mitzvah, logic would say, even the logic that is grounded within Torah, that that wood has no facility for absorbing holiness. Just can't. Just the act of chopping the wood. So whether you're doing it on Shabbos or not is irrelevant. That's a different conversation. But chopping the wood so that you'll have the, the facility to create the knife to be able to, to, to do a bris. The chopping the wood doesn't yet introduce godliness into this world. You can't even say that the chopping of the wood is somehow incorporated in the process of the mitzvah. It's not. Let's say that a person eats, and their goal is that I want to have nutrition in my system, so I have the energy to be able to serve Hashem. There the Alter Rebbe tells us that the energy of that food and of that act of eating gets to be incorporated into the mitzvah that it powers. 
Because the person does that mitzvah or learns that Torah using the power of the food that they ate. But in the case of Hechsher Mitzvah, the preparation for the Mitzvah, like chopping the wood to make the fire, to make the coal, to heat the metal, to be able to make the knife for the Mila, that is not really part of the Mitzvah. The entire purpose of the wood is to facilitate something that will follow afterwards. It's tongues where their only purpose is to make other tongues. Dos is the Chiddush in Der Mishnah. That's what our Mishnah wants to switch. That perspective is what our Mishnah comes to switch. Even the tongues that is only produced to facilitate other tongues, even though the entire purpose of the creation of this tongues was only to facilitate future tongues, Hashem got personally involved at this very lofty level. The matzil, the producer of all the great spiritual existences, got personally involved in producing these tongues. That's a shift for us. You'd say the tongues are not important. They're not relevant. They're only there to facilitate something that I really need. Well, the Ebrista felt it was important enough to make it himself. And once you recognize that, wow, it's pretty obvious that these original tongues are divinely fashioned. And you can no longer say, as the Matorah for your Gansam it says, you can't say that the Abisha creates something that has no intrinsic value and that its only value is what it will do for something or someone else. And you can't say that once this tongue has now made other tongues, it is now worth nothing because you have other tongues. Who needs these tongues anymore? If the Abishna made the tongues, they are inherently valuable. Why are they inherently valuable? Remember, everything in the physical realm is just a reflection of how things are in Torah and in truth. Why does it play out this way in the physical story? Because it's in Torah. That's how it is in the reality of Torah. Even though if you were to follow a step-by-step normal process of serving Hashem, a logical process of serving Hashem, is in a mitzvah, you'd say, the pre-steps, the um, pre-operation steps, have no real validity for the mitzvah. That's what logic says. But when you recognize that there's a perspective, which is the true perspective, how Hashem wants things to be, looking through Hashem's eyes, David is illustrating to us over here that from a perspective of truth, there's actually no difference between the mitzvah and the preamble that created the possibility of the mitzvah. And the far, very p- powerful, potent lesson. Remember, we asked, what's the lesson for us? When a person has a very advanced experience of surrender of self to Hashem, to Hashem's supernal will, which extends way beyond the person's rational mind, when you're in that reality, it makes no difference what Hashem wants. 
But Altrebe Zokt, like Altrebe very famously says, has a feeling in that even if an individual had been instructed by Hashem to do what appears to be the meaningless task of chopping wood, which would not be able to bring together spiritual realms and draw godliness into the world, is Erdos Mekaymet and Zelman Koch. The person is completely dedicated to Hashem. It's got nothing to do with me. So if I have to chop wood, I'll chop, chop wood with the same dedication, the same passion, and the same investment as if I was uh, doing the greatest mitzvah that I could imagine. And that's why the tongues are linked to that special time as you're going into Shabbos. Because to reach the point where the Hechsher Mitzvah, where the precursor to the Mitzvah has the value of Elekus, with that to reach that point, I have to escape myself. I have to reach a point that I'm completely aware only of what Hashem wants without any uh, imposition of, of my personal opinions. I've got to break out of the normal, rational, expected, comfortable way to serve Hashem. And because that's how it is conceptually in spiritual Torah terms, that actually translates into what happened in the physical story. That the creation of the first tongues had to be at what time? The time that's outside of the natural time. The time that's already associated with Shabbos. And that then teaches us a lesson about living beyond the requirement of the law. This is to teach us how much personal investment we need to put into those things that are not the mitzvah itself, but are just the preparation for the mitzvah. Or my Rav, and a very clear story in the Gemara illustrates this point. A story that we always tell and we don't necessarily stop to think about it. The Gemara tells us the amazing work of Rabbi Chia to preserve Judaism and Torah. That Rabbi Chia didn't only personally involve himself in teaching young children Torah. But he personally got involved in the preparation to be able to teach them Torah. And even the preparations to the preparations. Hechsher le Hechsher. There's not only Hechsher Mitzvah, but Hechsher le Hechsher Tzimlimadah Torah. What does that mean? Alein eingezeit flax. He personally went and planted flax. Ois geveb nets and he personally wove nets. Gefangen hirschen, he personally caught deers in those nets. From that, Gemach Klaf, he personally made the parchment. And then, and then on those, on those parchments, he wrote the different parts of Torah that he distributed and circulated through the children. Think about it. It seems so strange. Why does Rabbi Chia have to get his hands dirty? Could he not delegate that work to one of his students or one of his servants? Could he not have found somebody who's not a full-time Torah scholar and allowed them to do all the dirty work and then he'd come along and he'd actually put it together and teach the Torah, which is his area of expertise? But because he had such a superior level of submission to Hashem's supernal will. Is by him He had equal dedication, the Zelbert Koch equal enthusiasm in the Yonifon Herscher, Ver Herscher, the Herscher, 
in the mitzvah lane to the precursors and the precursors to the precursors for the mitzvah as much as to the mitzvah itself from which of course we could all learn and mitzvah Hashem that will become the hechsher to the geulah ha mitzvah shlema the coming of Mashiach now.